spring break, into spring break, and I know a lot of you got to travel different places, and now we're back here. So I'm genuinely excited about just this next month and this season. I, I really just sense that God is up to a lot of powerful things in our lives, in our community, in our church, and, and today. And I'm going to raise this up a little bit. Uh, we're, we've been talking for the last month. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Jonathan Hupp. I get to serve as pastor here at Bluemont. And for the past month or so, past few weeks, we've been talking about the theme of, Can I Hear God? And the, I was thinking about this as we were worshiping. Sometimes we're not sure if we want to hear God, right? Because we're not sure if what he is wanting to tell us is what we want to hear. Not just because it's like, oh, I don't want to do that, but because we tend to think that God is thinking poorly of us, that, he's, that what he's wanting to tell us is, oh, you're not doing enough. Oh, you don't measure up. Oh, you fall short. And the reality is, is that God is speaking. God is communicating to us, and his word to us is so good and so refreshing. And, and, and Jesus said, he quoted the Old Testament in Matthew 4, 4, and he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And there is nothing that will restore and refresh our spirits and our souls more than hearing God personally. And we've been talking for the last couple of months, a couple, couple of weeks, about how God speaks to us and how we can hear Him, and some great stories about how that happens. And today I'm going to talk about, along those themes, the distractions that get in the way of us hearing God. It's been mentioned a couple times. I think every week we're just going to keep this, this analogy going that hearing God is kind of like a radio signal. It's like God's channel is, is K-Rock, 101.5. All right? I mean, I'm not saying that's not an endorsement for advertisement. I didn't get paid for that. Just saying there's a certain frequency, and God's voice is on that frequency. And you t- if you turn your receiver to the right frequency, you lock in. And you hear the words of that channel coming through. And when we get on the right frequency, when we get on the right channel with God, we can hear His voice. But it's kind of like when you're turning the, the radio dial or, or scanning through the radio channels. That there are a whole lot of other, other stations between where we're at and God channel. And you start going and it's like, oh, that sounds kind of good. Oh, that, I like jazz. Smooth jazz, that's cool. Or, you know, there's all these other voices, all these other channels between, between, that are out there as well, all these other distractions. And, man, I mean, how true is it that it's so easy to be distracted? Especially when it comes to things of like setting your mind on thinking about God or prayer or seeking Him. I know so often I wake up in the morning and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to meet with God. I'm going I'm to go pray. I'm going I'm to get in the Bible. I'm going to spend time with God. And then I notice, oh, I got a couple text messages overnight. And I grab this thing. And then it's like, oh, I check those. And maybe reply to them. And then maybe think of somebody else I want to send a text to. And it's like, oh, wow, there were like nine emails. I wonder what those were. And so I check those. And maybe reply to a couple. And then, oh, there's Facebook. And you know, there's a whole world there. And, oh, and there's my to-do list. What do I need to do that I forgot about? Where's, what's my schedule? And all at once, this, this device that's supposed to to focus my life and save time has, just through this one thing, has opened up a whole world of distraction that took me away from 
from where I started out. And, you know, God is, God is speaking, but if we're going to hear him, we have to deal with the distractions that get in the way, because they're one of the biggest hindrances to us hearing God. The, our theme verse this morning, we're going to just kind of circle around to this over and over again. In Matthew 5.8, the most famous sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts out with what's called the Beatitudes, and he is a list of blessed are, or happy are. Happy are people who are like this. And in, in Matthew 5.8, he says this, he said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Just think about that. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The goal is to see God. Or that word see, it really means to perceive or to experience. And this the whole idea of hearing God is all part of this the same idea. That that's our goal, is that happy are those, blessed are those who get to hear God, who hear God's voice whispering to us throughout the day, who hear God's encouragement, who who know, hey, this is the path that I have for you. I have a plan for you, and this is what I want you to do today. And this is my will for you, and I have a purpose for your life, and no, let me adjust it a little bit, and oh, let me encourage you along the way. Blessed are those who, who see God. Blessed are those who hear God. But the path, or the ability to hear God, has everything to do with what's going on in our hearts. Right? Because it's blessed are the pure in heart. They're the ones who will see God. They're the ones who will hear God. And so, our ability to hear God has everything to do with what's going on right here in our hearts. And the requirement is that, that we're, there's a purity in our hearts. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word purity, there's some sort of like negative images that come up. I, I don't know, I think of a, a nun, or I don't know what your image is, but it's not necessarily the most desirable thing. But the idea of purity, or pure, literally means to be unmixed. It's something that isn't contaminated with other substances. So if you have pure water, it's water that doesn't have a lot of other minerals and junk in it. It's pure. And so when we're talking about blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are those who have undistracted hearts. Blessed are those whose hearts are set on one thing, are tuned to that channel, the God channel. And those that are pure in heart will, will experience God. Now, I was thinking about this. This is so important because our brains kind of naturally tend to go as soon as we hear, okay, I've got to have a pure heart if I'm going to experience God, if I'm going to hear God. What do our brains tend to do? I, don't, I think a lot of us, we go to, okay, what do I need to do better at? What do I need to clean up in my life? How can I try harder to be good? And it's so important to realize that purity is always the result of God's work in our life. It's what he does in us, not what we do to get right with him. It's kind of like a dirty casserole dish that was just used to make scalloped potatoes. And it's time to wash that sucker. And it's caked with, with old, dried, hardened potatoes on it. And it's like that casserole dish can't clean itself. You can't go, all right, I really need to be clean. 
It, it's doesn't, not going to help. And that's really the same state that we find ourselves in. Uh, we can't purify ourselves. We need God. And that's really the whole message of, of the gospel, that Jesus, God sent Jesus, his son, to the earth to take our impurities, to take our sins on the cross, and that he took it so that we could become purified, we could become clean, not by what we do, but by receiving the gift of his forgiveness of what he did on the cross. And so there's, it's the work of God that he's the one who changes us. Um, but there, and so that's what, that's, how this, that's what becoming a Christian is all about, is, is, is saying, Jesus, I trust you to take away my impurities. I can't do it, I'm trusting you. And those of us who've experienced that, we know that there's a, a freedom and a, a joy that comes from that. And if you haven't ever done that, man, this could be your day to say, I want to experience the freedom of, of God cleaning me up on the inside. And that could happen this, this very day. There was a, a time in, the, in Jesus' life when, right before he died, he, he washed his disciples' feet. And Peter was like, hey, I don't want you to wash my feet. And Jesus said, hey, well, if, if I don't wash you, you have no part in me. And then Jesus said, and Peter said, oh, well, if that's the case, then give me a shower. Like, don't just wash my feet. Give me a bath. You wash all of me. And Jesus said this. Jesus said, hey, you're already clean. You're already pure because of the word that I spoke to you. And that's what, it's God's word that when we trust in him and he takes our sin, he takes our impurities and he declares us righteous, he declares us pure, he speaks that over us, we are already pure at that point. But Peter still needed his feet washed because we're, we're pure in our, in our spirit, but through life there's parts of us that get some dust on us. And there's a process of needing to have, those, have that sprinkle, have those parts of us refreshed by God continually, over and over again. And so if you're already a believer this morning, this is really how this applies to us, is that, yeah, I'm, I am pure through what Jesus did, but I need this process of Jesus washing my feet and finding the, the areas of my heart and my life where there's, there is stuff that cakes on it through the course of life. And I need to come and have Jesus wash that off so that I can hear him, so I can experience him. Does that make sense? All right. So that's the goal. Blessed are the pure in heart. For we will see God when we're in that place. And so, I just want to give us three questions this morning. That's, that's, that's it. That's all we have to do is have a purity of heart. And then we'll, we'll hear God better. We'll be on the right channel. We'll have the distractions taken care of. Three questions to ask ourselves. Number one, if you have your bulletin, those are, you can fill those in. If you're taking notes, or if you stick it in your head. That's impressive too. First question is how bad do I want it? How bad do I want it? There's a saying that Christ plus nothing equals everything. And that's true. That, just like we were singing that last song, man, He is our all in all. He is our everything. He is our fulfillment. He is our life. He is our joy. It's, it's Christ. But the question is, do I believe that? Do I really believe that Christ is my everything? Or am I thinking that something else is going to give me what my heart really needs, what I'm really looking for in life? And I heard someone say once that, and this was someone who, who heard God probably as well as anybody I've ever met in my life. 
And he said this. He says, you can hear God as much. He said this. You hear God exactly as much as you want to hear God. You are hearing God right now in direct correlation to the level of your desire. Hebrews 11.6 says that those who come to him must believe that he is the rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. It doesn't say he's the rewarder of the casual inquirer. He's the rewarder of those who seek him earnestly. And as we seek him with our whole heart, we'll find him. In, in Jeremiah 29, verse 12, God says this, he says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And we, seek, we find him when we seek him with all our heart. Last week, Rob talked about some of the barriers to hearing God's voice. And the last one he talked about was hiddenness. He called, we call it hiddenness. And the fact that God is hidden. We can't see him with our natural eyes. He, and, and there are times, even in our Christian walk, when things are going well, and we, we feel close with God, and then all at once, where did God go? We can't feel him. We're not hearing his voice. The, the things that were working before aren't working anymore. And one of the reasons God does that is because he is, he's like a lover who hides himself because he wants his beloved to seek for him more. And when we feel that distance with God, it's an invitation where God is saying, hey, how bad do you want me? How much are you willing to seek me? Are you willing to, like, to press in to seek me more? Because, and that's a, a you know, in that process, it feels, we come to a place oftentimes of feeling so empty. But in that, when we, when we end up having our hunger stirred for him, then we seek him more and we come to know him more than we ever did before. And so the first question is, is how bad do I want it? How, how much do I want to experience God? The second question then is, what are the impurities that vie for my heart? What are the, the impurities that are at war, that are fighting for my attention, fighting for my affection, fighting for, you know, when you're, when that, the, what's the radio scanning process in, in your mind? I mean, it's, I mean, it's just funny how it is. It's, the, what are the other things? What are the other thoughts? And they, they may be things just like distractions, like, oh, man, I think I gained some weight. Or what do people think about me? Or I need to do more. I'm, I'm, I'm a failure. Those thoughts. Or it could be desires for other things, that we're, we're looking to other things for our fulfillment besides God. In, in Psalm 66, verse 18, the, the psalmist writes this, and he says, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened, and he has heard my prayer. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. There's, sin is the, one of the most damnable things about sin is that it separates us from God. And when we're loving other things more than God, that's really what sin is. Oftentimes, Sin is never, it, the devil always takes something good that God has made, and he makes us make, try to have that be an idol, have that try to be God. So the devil can't make anything new. He has to take something good, but take it out of bounds. And so idols are always 
good things. And so whether it's sex, I mean, that's, that's a wonderful thing that God made. But, yeah, a few heads turned up real quick when I said sex. That was, that was <laughs> should do that more often. <clears throat> but it's like, yeah, there's, it's a beautiful thing God designed. But it's designed to honor God and experience the life he has and to love one person well. And, but God, the devil takes that and he makes that an idol. He makes that like, well, this will give you what you need. Or whether it's material things that God made for us to enjoy. There are blessings and gifts for us. But the impurity is to say, oh, that is what I need. That will, if I have nicer clothes or a bigger house, or that will, that will be what I'm looking for. That will satisfy my heart. Maybe it's a, a career, success. You know, God made us to have a calling that we walk out successfully. But it's when we take that idea of success and put our identity in that and are looking to that to give us something, then it becomes an idol and that becomes an impurity in our heart. And so we've we got to identify. You know, even this, in each of us, it's to think, okay, what are the things that are impurities that, that vie for my attention, that vie for my heart? A couple weeks ago, Dave Diefendorf talked about this scripture, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, where we're told, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. It says, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So what do we have to throw off? Well, sin, stuff that is against God's commandments, that's contrary to his moral decrees, we've got to throw those things off. And also, just anything else, you may not think that it's sinful, but it's just a distraction. All those things that just entangle us, don't let them be a distraction. Throw those things off too. And do what? It goes on fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And so it's, again, letting our gaze be on him, and on him alone. And man, I, I'll tell you, I've, like John, I've been a Christian since I was a wee lad, and I'll tell you, this is the process of like week after week after week after month after month after year after year of realizing, okay, it's all about loving God with all my heart. And realizing that these weeds crop up and these other things crop up. And identifying those things and pulling them out and turning away from those things and coming back to, no, Jesus, you're the one I want. You're the one I'm looking to. You're the one I'm trusting in. I want you. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. So we got to ask, how bad do I want it? What are the impurities that vie from my heart? And then the third question, what will I do about it? Let's, let's bring it home here. What am I going to do about it? I can identify it, but what am I going to do about those things? And, you know, this looks different for different people. This is where religious people get in trouble, is one person has an area of their life, maybe alcohol, is something that has been just a huge sin for them. And it's been an idol, it's been their God, and they come to a place of conviction, man, I, if to serve God, to love God, I should not drink alcohol at all. And for much of my life, that's been, or a lot of my life, that was how I lived. Like, I'm just not, I don't need alcohol. It's not a big deal. I'm not going to drink at all. But the problem is when you take your conviction and you put that on somebody else about something that's not a sin. And so for one person, 
You maybe need to say, like, hey, I'm not going to drink at all. It's interesting that Jesus said that John the Baptist, when he came, he didn't drink at all, and people said, oh, he's got a demon, which is funny. Like, oh, man, there's something really weird about him. He doesn't drink anything. But then Jesus came. He's like, oh, he's eating and drinking. Oh, he's a drunkard and a glutton. And so it's like you can't win. No matter what you do, people are going to say something wrong about you. And so it's not about these religious rules, but it's about knowing, man, in my own life, what are the issues for me? What do I need to do to put God first and have purity of heart and not let anything get in the way of my relationship with God? I just read a, a blog a couple weeks ago about a, a, a woman. She's, a, she's an author, Sarah Bessie. And she talked about how, for years, she had, as a Christian, she had enjoyed, she had enjoyed, she had enjoyed a, an occasional glass of wine. And enjoyed that. It was a freedom. Um, it, was, it was a good thing. But then slowly over time, it became more and more of a common thing in her life, where it became every day when she came home from work and she would, she would have a glass of wine and take the edge off things. And then in the last year, she started feeling the Holy Spirit put his finger on that thing and go, hey, that's become inordinate for you. I want you to, for you, it's time to stop drinking. And she kind of wrestled with this for a period of, of time. But then she came to the realization, okay, yeah, and I, I want to love God above everything else. And this has become something that I'm, I'm trusting in. And so she poured all the, all the wine down her sink. And she's like, it's been great. I haven't even missed it. I'm, my, it took my relationship with God to a new place. But she said, I wouldn't put that on anybody else. And that's true for whatever, you, you know, so many areas of our life where it's, you know, for, for one person, maybe this smartphone is something you should go up on the tallest building in Manhattan and throw it to the ground. Because that is such a source of temptation and distraction and impurity that you just need to eradicate it from your life. But for another person, it's more holy to say, you know what, no, this is a tool that I believe I need to learn how to steward this well and use it to love God and love people. And that's true about so many different areas of our life. You look at, at money, possessions. You know, one person may be called to live a life of, of poverty. Another person may be called to make millions and millions of dollars, and channel those resources for the kingdom of God. But it's, it's not what you do with those things. It's not so much those things themselves, but it's the place they have in our heart and the calling that God has for us. And so we have to look at, okay, God, what are the things in my life and what am I going to do? How can I manage my life well to honor you? What will I do about it? How can I cultivate purity of heart? And one of the most important things to cultivate this is is setting aside time with God. If we want the, the undistractedness of our heart to grow, I think the best spiritual practice you can do is establish a regular time in your life of meeting with God on a daily basis. And I am a huge advocate that the best time is the first part of the day. And when you wake up, before all everything starts, it's the stillness of the day, to, to meet with God, to listen to Him, to crack this Bible, to say, God, will you speak to me? I need you. I want to put you first in my life. I want to hear what you have to say to me. And it can look like different things to different people. It's, you know, that's not like the one thing that everybody has to do. But it's setting aside time to focus on Him. That will increase the, the purification process in our life. That will increase our experience of hearing God and encountering Him. In, in Matthew 6.6, 6, 
Jesus said this, he said, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now his, his, his assumption is, it's not if you pray, but hey, you're a follower of God, when you pray. And a good way to do this is to get away from distractions. Go away from everybody else, go away from your responsibilities, go away from everything that's vying for your attention. Go into your room where you can close the door, and it's just you and God. And then your Father will see you. And it's, some, it's, a, it's a, a place of secrecy, a place of just you and Him, a, a place of purity. And something happens in that place in our heart of God working in us and drawing us closer to Him. And so that's, you know, that may be what God is, is inviting you into, into a greater level this morning, is to a place, a regular place of encountering him and listening to him and letting him purify your heart in that place. Um, the last thing I just want to say is, is be proactive. It's like the old saying, if, if you say, like, don't think about something, you're going to think about it. If you're like, okay, these are my impurities, these are my distractions, I'm not going to be distracted by that any longer. Don't think about a pink elephant. I won't think about a pink elephant. I won't think about a pink elephant. It's like, okay, that's all you're thinking about all at once. And so, so often that's what we do. It's like, oh man, this is my enemy. I'm trying to battle. I'm trying to think about it, thinking about this, this stuff. But it's not about doing that, but it's about replacing it with something better. And this is the last scripture I'm going to read. In Philippians 4, 4, 8, and 9, where, where the Apostle Paul writes, and he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So it's not, okay, don't think of, I won't think about my temptation or my distraction, but let's think about who God is. Think about the kind of life he's calling us to live. Put our minds on him. Fill our minds with what is true, with what is pure, with what is honorable. You know, when you're, it's tempted with a, with a temptation. You know, that's what tempts us, temptations. It's funny how that works. But when those tempting thoughts come to your mind, it's, you're struggling with, oh man, I, I, I'm thinking about that. The most powerful thing you can do is start worshiping God. Think about who he is. Crack this Bible and like, God, what do you have to say? Who are you? Those thoughts are going to run away. They're not going to stay because what is pure and true is going to drive out that other trash. And so we replace those things with what is, with what is true. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they, they will see God. And, man, that's just such a, the, the life we were meant for. The life God has for us is a life of walking through our days, of hearing God's voice, knowing what he's saying, hearing his encouragement, knowing his friendship knowing what's going on, what he's, what, he's, what he's about, and him inviting us into that. But the impurities keep us from that, and God is inviting us to deal with those things so that we can experience more and more of what God has for us, and so that we can bring that to the world around us. All right, before I pray, I just want to give you all a chance to ask any questions about this. So... Any questions? Jay, is that a hand? Are you scratching your ear? Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
Whenever the word of God is given, it's a man that we understand it really comes and loves it. So let us just pay attention to what we read. Awesome. Thanks, Jay. Good. Any other questions? Thoughts? All right. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will hear God. Well, uh, I think it would be great, actually, if our worship team, you guys come back up and maybe do a refrain of that last song. And let's just take a couple minutes here and trust God to speak to our hearts. And if there's something that as we were looking at God's words, we are listening to God's word that God put his finger on, like, hey, that's something. I want you to stop trusting in that thing or look into that thing. I want you to give that area of your life to me. This is a chance where you could do that right now. You know, if you've never trusted Jesus to be your all in all, this could be the time right now. It's just a matter of saying, Lord, 